Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. You got you got giddy, Chad, today. I'm always in a pretty good mood, but I'm in a really good mood today because uh, I am a, I don't know a more polite way to put this, so I'll just say how I say it. I am a sucker for baptisms, man. As a pastor, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is one of the high moments we have. What we're about to do today, I'm just telling you, some of you already get this and know this. Some of you, you're newer to this. We are blessing the heart of God today in some profound ways. Because this was, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and then do what? When people receive the gospel, what's the first thing he commands? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This blesses the heart of God. Today, this is a day of just incredible and beautiful obedience. I am just giddy. There's another thing that I'm a sucker for. Uh, you guys hear me talk about my kids a lot. Uh, just a fair warning, that's never going to stop because I'm obsessed and I love my kids. But I joke around uh, with you guys. One of the first times I preached here, I, I, I told you that uh, I have four kids and then I said, but I should have had two. And I still stand by that. I should have had two. I'm glad we had four. We're going to keep all four. But from a stewardship perspective, I should have had two kids because I'm in way over my head. But the reason I I was reflecting on this this week, uh, the reason I think I had four kids was because I absolutely love going to the hospital when it's time for a kid to be delivered. Isn't that horrible that that's why you'd keep having kids just for, just for 24 to 48 hours of bliss. And my wife would disagree with me. She said that wasn't my favorite part of having kids, but of course you women do the heavy lifting, right? But I absolutely, I will never, especially with my firstborn, I will never forget the night that we went to the hospital. It was in the middle of the night. My wife's water broke and Uh, she had actually got up to go to the restroom and she came out and she had a shameful look on her face. And I said, what's the matter, babe? It was kind of like midnight. And she goes, I just peed my pants. I hate being pregnant. And I literally was like going in there to mock her a little bit because I'm a great husband. And, uh, and be like, and she's an adult, so that doesn't happen a lot, but she's pregnant. So we assumed it was that. And I literally went in there and I go, I looked down at the floor. I go, babe, you didn't pee your pants. I go, we're having a baby. Because the doctor had taught me something I didn't know before that, which was like, as soon as that water breaks, the doctor said, I can promise you this, you're having a baby in the next 24 hours, whether it's able to come naturally or whether we have to take that baby out of your wife. Once that water breaks, there is a 24 hour window with which you will have that baby. So the minute I saw that that water broke, I just got giddy, even though I'd gotten woken up out of my sleep. And I was like, we're going to the hospital. So we get our clothes on, we get our stuff. It's already ready. We drive to the, well, we drive to the gas station first because I need snacks because I, I need my sustenance to deliver a baby like I thought I was going to do. So we stop and get snacks. My wife's already annoyed with me because she's in pain. Like, can we just get to the hospital? I go, we got to have snacks. So we stop at a gas station. That's a true story. Then we get to the hospital. She gets into her bed. I get into that little sofa that they give you. And I, I get out like my laptop and I'm starting to play movies because no one taught me how to be a good husband at this point and a good father. And about three, four hours in, she's starting to have like the labor, labor pains, right? And so it's time for me to do my job, everything that I've been taught and trained for. I'm going to be the hero here. I'm going to be so good uh, being with her and coaching her through this. And I get up there and I have a pretty weak stomach when it comes to the medical world. I have no business being in or around hospitals because I can't handle it. And I started to, in real time, see some things and participate in some things that I just wasn't fully ready for. And 
right as my wife is getting so close to delivering the baby, I'm about to pass out. I'm literally starting to fall over. And one of the three nurses that was in the room, she caught me and noticed and immediately takes me over to that small couch. I'm pretty sure I black out for one to two minutes. When I wake up, all three nurses that were in there assigned to my wife, the doctors over there helping her, all three nurses are over with me on my little couch because poor little Chad passed out. Well, my wife is literally about to shoot a baby out of her belly, right? And at one point when I came to, they're like feeding me Gatorade and giving me little snacks because of my poor little blood sugar. And I look over at my wife and she makes this God awful scream. And I just remembered after I fainted, I just remembered, oh yeah, we're having a baby. And I look over at my wife and I will never forget this look. She gave me a look. If looks could kill, I would not be up here preaching right now. I would be six feet under. She gave me this look to be like, you have all of the nurses with you because you got a little faint and I am about to deliver. She just... I, Our marriage took a hit that day. (laughs) Had to spend some money on some counseling after that one. I lost some credibility as a man. It was just this look. And then we had three more. The the next two went great. And then my wife says, I'm getting a doula for the fourth one. And whether we can afford it or not. And I was like, great. I don't got to do anything now. This is amazing. I'll spend money on that. We got a doula. And you know what the doula made me do? Everything. There was one point where she says, now we're getting closer and the baby will come out a little easier, more naturally if your wife can stand up, but she's in so much pain. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you as she stands up, you know, fully pregnant. I'm going to have you hold her for a while so she can just stand there and that's going to help the process go. And I'm like, okay, for 30 minutes, I held my pregnant wife standing up. I've done CrossFit workouts that were not as, I was drenched in sweat, just furious, right? But at the end of the day, as soon as you hear that baby screaming and crying, it's like the best noise on planet earth. Why? New birth. There's something in the human soul and spirit that was designed and created for new birth. It does something to the human soul. When that water breaks, I will never forget how giddy I was. And if you'll stick with me on this metaphor, water in a few minutes is going to break and new life is going to come out. And this is the story, not that just happened in the New Testament where John the Baptist starts baptizing people and Jesus commands us to be baptized. You've got to understand, and I'm going to cliff notes us through the whole Bible for the next few minutes, pack a lunch, y'all. And I'm going to show you that water breaking is from the beginning of time. And the reason I want to do this for every person that has been baptized, for us to remember that we are a part of something sacred. Like think back, some of you were baptized decades ago. Think back to when you were baptized. We were baptized into a story that is timeless, a story that is holy, a story that is sacred to God. And from Genesis chapter one, God breaks water to create living, right? Genesis chapter one, verse one. Now the earth, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing outside of God. And God creates the heavens and the earth. And it says this, now the earth was formless and it was void and it was dark. One translation says it was chaos. 
But what's God do? Because we serve a God of order. He always brings order out of chaos. How does he do that? He creates it. And so when the earth is formless and void in Genesis 1, it says it was chaotic. But God's spirit, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, was hovering over the what? The waters. So that theme in the very first two verses of the whole story, God's spirit is hovering over the waters. And when the spirit of God is hovering over waters, he's always about to create and give birth to something beautiful, which is going to happen for about 40 some people today in our church. It's a beautiful thing. And then here's what happens. Yeah, you can clap for that. Here's what happens next. It says day two, God then created this thing called light. Right. And then on day three, something special happens on day three. The Bible says that God starts to do what part the waters. He starts to separate the the whole earth and the whole heavens that were just full of water. He separates them and we get this thing called earth and we get this thing on the third day called sky. And there's water in the sky and in the heavens and there's water on earth. So at this point in day three, you got to understand the whole globe that we call planet earth was covered in water. It was it. It was just a ball and an ocean, nothing else. And then what happens? God parts the water on day four. The water gets parted and guess what comes up? Land. And guess what land prepares God to do? Bring about life. Once those waters part and land comes up, now all of a sudden the land gives us possibilities to create human life. And human life, the minute the waters part, starts to flourish in perfected form. We get plants and vegetation, which are life, right? They're giving us oxygen right now. We get fish. We get the birds of the air. Then what do we get next? We get cattle. All of this is life. And then on the sixth day, I always say God saves the best for last, right? And, and what do we get? We get Adam. And then out of Adam, what do we get? We get Eve. And everything is perfect and it's rhythmic and it's flawless. Sin has not entered the equation yet. Chaos has turned into complete order. And then we know what happens by Genesis 3. We get introduced to the villain, the adversary. The devil, Jesus calls him, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And the devil does what? He tempts Adam and Eve to break one of God's commands. And we, we get introduced to this, this thing that has profoundly affected every single one of us in this room, the thing we actually need salvation and baptism from, which is this thing called sin. And sin starts to disrupt God's perfected, created order. And guess what starts to happen more and more after Adam and Eve start to create more humans, more sin starts to get in the bloodline. And we're starting to go back again from perfected order back to chaos. But we serve a God of order. So you fast forward hundreds of years and now we get to Genesis chapter 6. And the Bible, man, it, it, it speaks darkly in Genesis chapter 6 about how the earth it became because of sin. Now all of a sudden, the Bible says nobody on planet earth was holy. Nobody on planet earth was good. Like evil was running as rampant as possible. But there happened to be this one family because God always has a remnant. There's this one family that happened to be righteous and more blameless than anyone else on planet earth. And they're uh, Noah and his family, right? And what's God do when chaos comes back into the world because of sin? He said, it's time to recreate order. So do you know what he does? And I'll talk to you the note of narrative. I'll tell you the Noah narrative in a nutshell. Don't say that. Noah narrative in a nutshell. Jeez. 
make it hard on yourself, Chad. You know what, you know what God does? Again, stick with me here. He baptizes the earth. Immerses it. Fully immerses the earth in what? Water. Just like it was in Genesis day two. And you know what, you know what God's doing here? He's taking the chaos that sin brings and says, I am restoring order to my image bearers. I am restoring order to my creation. This is what happens anytime waters get parted is new life, fresh starts begin. If you're being baptized today, one of the reasons I'm so giddy is because you serve a God as you are being baptized, understand this, you serve a God of fresh starts. For those of us who've been baptized for some decades now, can I remind us Because isn't it funny how chaos loves to creep back into our lives? No matter how saved and sanctified and redeemed we are, no matter how baptized you got, no matter how far they dunked you under and how long they held you under, isn't it amazing that over time, sin loves to creep back in and bring chaos into our lives? But for those of you being baptized today, let me just remind you that you're serving a God who says, I want order on your life. I want new birth on your life. I want to recreate God's original intent for you over your life. I say all that to just simply say, it's a good day for you. And we celebrate with you. We're here to cheer you on. Then guess what happens after the flood, the new baptism, hundreds of years go by and it's starting to get a little chaotic again. And so God says, I'm going to create a a nation, another seed like Noah was, because we're going to have to part some more waters to bring order back again. And so he, 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 he calls Abraham and he makes a covenant through circumcision. We'll come back to that at the end of the message. Through circumcision, he makes a covenant with Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, millions, and we now know billions of people are going to come to Christ through your bloodline, right? So the Abraham thing happens. But after Abraham takes place hundreds of years later, sin has taken over again. So much so that Abraham's bloodline, the nation now of Israel, is finding themselves in, a, in bondage right? The famous story in Exodus, Egyptian slavery. And for 430 years, this is the chaos that they have had to endure under the hand of an incredibly oppressive king, Pharaoh. He was the most evil man on planet earth, the way he was treating people because of his power. He was not wielding his power in a godly way. So we have Israel in slavery for 430 years. God hears their cries And what's God do when he hears the cries of his people? It's salvation time. It's time to take this chaos and put order back. And so we know what happens. God sends the plagues. He starts meddling with Pharaoh because Pharaoh's not even close to as powerful as God. Pharaoh finally says, let the people go. Moses starts to lead them out. We know what happens. Uh, Pharaoh recants and he starts chasing after them and they're on their way out to salvation. They have been saved by God miraculously because listen, salvation is just a miracle of God. That's what, that's, that's what grace is. It is a miracle of God. God saves them miraculously because he hears their faith. He hears their cries. And then all of a sudden, right when they're on the precipice of, of experience, experiencing their freedom, and salvation in the fullness, what, what gets in their way? Water. And what's God about to do for them after he saves them from the hand of Pharaoh? He's about to part some waters, immerse them into the Red Sea, let them walk through those waters miraculously, and then what happens on the other side of those waters? The waters close up, the enemy is defeated, and there is new life. 
Baptism is happening again. Do you see what God is up to? You're a part of something that is sacred and holy and time-tested. And it is an integral, precious part of the story. I'm just here today to tell you that what you're doing, those of you getting baptized today, is a beautiful thing. And you are blessing the heart of God. Then we know what happens. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. The wilderness was a lot of things, but one of the chief reasons for the wilderness for those 40 years, because they just wanted the promises of God. They wanted the land of Canaan, right? It's like, I've been saved. Now I just want the promises of God, everything those preachers have told me about. But God says, no, no, no. To, To receive the promises of God with integrity, you need preparation. And so they spend 40 years in the wilderness. Remember that because we'll see this in the New Testament. They spend 40 years in the wilderness and 40 years into it, right again, they're on the precipice of new degrees of freedom and salvation. What gets in the way? Water. They're right about to enter the promises of God. The one thing they've got to do to get from their preparation to the promises of God is they've got to get through some water. But the waters were raging in the Jordan River, and there's no way two million people were going to walk through there without danger. You know what God does? He says, get the Ark of the Covenant, which was his presence, and I want the priest to go out first, and I want you to step into those raging waters by faith, and you're going to walk through into a new degree of freedom. You see what's happening here? And they walk through to new degrees of freedom, to the promises of God. This is the beauty of baptism. And I could go through Isaiah and some other stuff, but for time's sake, I got to wrap up here uh, so we can come do what we came to do here today. Then we get from Joshua where the preparation happens and they go through the Jordan River. Now we get to John the Baptist. And there's so much imagery here. Like, listen to this. I'm just going to read. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. I will send my messenger ahead of you. He's he's prophesying about John the Baptist who would come. Who will what? Prepare your way. Remember what the desert was after after salvation and baptism? It was preparation. What's John here to do again? Because Jesus is about to ultimately restore order from chaos. He's he's here to prepare the way. And he's a voice of one calling where? In the wilderness. In the desert. That's where they spent, the Israelites, right after salvation and baptism. Guess what they spent? 40 years in preparation in what? The wilderness. Now John the Baptist, you see what's happening here, all this imagery? He's here to prepare people for Jesus. Not the promised land, Canaan. The ultimate promise, which is Jesus. He's here to prepare him for that. And where is he out preparing people? Just like in Exodus. Man, God's brilliant. I love it. He's in the wilderness. It says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism, not the Christian baptism we're about to do, but an equally important, a baptism of repentance. Everyone's just coming out. And do you know where he's baptizing people? The same place the Israelites crossed into the promised land, the Jordan River. Couple thousands of years later, John the Baptist is in that same place and waters are being parted again for people's freedom. They're confessing their sins. They're repenting. And what's it all doing? It's softening. This is what repentance does. It's softening their heart to get them to receive the saving, redeeming, sanctifying, freeing work that would come from Jesus Christ. So now, deep breath. You guys have been so amazing. I've tried to talk fast. Now we get to the ultimate baptism, Jesus. 
And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. I get that. I would have done the same thing, saying, no, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And then listen to what Jesus said. Listen to how sacred and holy and precious baptism is. Jesus, who is sinless, whose life is in full order, no chaos with Jesus in here, still says it's necessary to be baptized, right? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. There's a fulfilling of righteousness that is coming today for those of you who are being baptized. And again, I just stop and we just celebrate with you. We're just excited for you. As soon as Jesus was baptized, listen to what happens when baptism takes place. He went up out of the water and at that moment, the same thing that happened in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 happens again. The heavens part. The heaven was open and Jesus saw the spirit of God. And here's what's interesting. Descending like a what? Dove. Do you remember after the baptism in Noah where where God baptized the whole earth and immerses it in water? Do you remember the signal that the baptism was complete and order was restored? Do you remember what came back to the boat to tell them that? A dove descended on them. They had sent on a dove and the dove came back. Now we see Jesus coming up out of the waters. And what do we have again? A dove. The imagery is brilliant. And a voice from heaven, and this is my favorite part of the baptism narrative of Jesus. A voice from heaven, while the heavens were cracked open, said this. And here, if you're being baptized today, hear this. Again, if you were baptized decades ago, hear this again, because nothing's changed. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says about Jesus, right as he's coming up out of the waters, This is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased with. Can we just, I loved when Lauren and Carrington just stopped and just reminded us the God we serve today. I love that last song we sang, just reminding us of the promises of God. I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And at the end of the day, for all the beautiful things God speaks over us and says about us, Can you just know this? You are just loved by him. God rarely spoke audible. When you read this massive story in all of scripture, there's just a few different windows where the audible voice of God speaks. Don't you find it interesting and beautiful that one of those moments he cracks open the heavens and speaks audibly is right after Jesus comes up out of the waters to affirm how blessed his heart is and how much he loves his son. And now you're a co-heir with Christ. It's a gift. You are, the Bible says, seated in heavenly places. You are a now co-heir of Christ. What is Christ's is yours. Everything he has is yours. So when you are being baptized today, this isn't me just romanticizing this or trying to be all feely. This is just the truth. God is so, so deeply pleased with your obedience today. You made a confession of faith to be saved by grace. It is not of works. It's nothing you did, but you brought your faith to the table and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, purify me of all unrighteousness. I receive the saving work of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And now to, to, to seal that covenant, I want to be baptized. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and then we'll get going. 
Colossians chapter two. For in Christ, that's all you being baptized now, you are in Christ. All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. In Christ, in other words, you wanna know what this unseen God's like? Just keep looking at Jesus. He's the exact representation of who God is. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. That's you today, fullness. He is the head over every power and authority so fear can be gone. In him, you were also circumcised. Remember that covenant he made with Abraham when he was starting something new? With a circumcision, though now, not performed with human hands, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were what? Circumcised by Christ, saved by Christ. Now, having been buried with him in what? Baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And then the Bible tells us in Romans 8, this is good news, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. I just think in a world that you look around and you watch the nightly news or you get online and check out the news, it's just screaming to us chaos, is it not? It's just constantly reiterating the chaos that is this planet. It's always highlighting everything that's wrong. And why I love today as a person of faith and hope and love is because we break the chains of chaos every time another believer all over planet Earth gets in some type of water, gets immersed and makes covenant with Jesus Christ because of the faith that they had for Jesus to save them. We are about to deeply bless the heart of God for a city. Today is a good day. It's a good day. So if you're one of the people in this service that signed up and is getting ready to be baptized, as I say a few more words to the rest of us, you guys can go out right now and you go out this exit door right back here. Go right now because we're going to start getting you lined up and getting you ready. You can go right now and just congrats as I'm watching you walk out. Just congrats. Just congrats. But there's some people in here and it's your day to be baptized. You just didn't know it. You didn't sign up. And you all have to get it the next time around because I'm not ready and I'm not prepared and I didn't sign up. But yet, here's what's weird. You deeply feel the spirit of God compelling you right now to be baptized, to bless the heart of God with your obedience and with your faith and with your trust. Can I just give you some good news? We already bought a bunch of clothes for you. <laughs> They're brand new. You'll put them on. We got shorts. We got shirts. We got towels. You're, 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 you're set up to go. And I'm just asking anybody in here right now who has never been baptized, but you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for order to come out of chaos. If that is you and you've never been baptized, I wanna challenge you. No one will celebrate with you more than this group of people for your obedience and for the faith it takes to get up out of your chair, go back there and say, you know what? I wanna be baptized today too. So if that is you in this room and you feel the spirit of God compelling you, you can go out these doors right here and right out those doors where all the baptizees uh, are getting ready. There's shorts, there's shirts, everything is there ready for you. But in the meantime, can we all just stand? We're gonna do this. We're gonna worship. 
our way through these baptisms. Carrington and the team are going to sing songs of worship and celebration to God. You guys can, you guys can worship towards the stage. There's going to be stuff on camera. If you need to turn around, you guys can celebrate with them. But all I'm asking today is that instead of us just sitting here, that we are participants in this. We are here to, it's like a wedding. We're there to celebrate and honor the people that are making covenant. Can we do that today? Let's do this. Let's pray. Let's pray together for everyone being baptized in these next few moments because this is a sacred and holy moment. Jesus, we thank you for today. Man, what a good day. Jesus, I just pray in these next few minutes that your spirit, just like it did with Jesus, would descend on this place. God, I pray that every person being baptized would hear your voice saying exactly to them what you said to Jesus. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter today with whom I am well pleased. God, I pray that the minute they come out of those waters, that your spirit would fill them with streams of living water to overflowing that would carry them through this life, not only to get by, but to thrive and to prosper. We play pray blessing over every single one of these people and we pray it in the name of Jesus and all my friends and family said let's worship y'all